Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book, or the letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and to rightness, righteousness and holiness of truth the right to set aside our former way of life to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And for the fulfillment of this commandment written by Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Argadi, there are three fateful commands and fundamental actions. This is, as we know, is to set aside, renew, and to clothe. And from the fulfillment of these three requirements, though they're not just three verbs, but they are three requirements, the requirements to the church will depend the perfection of our salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed so that we can gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. So this is a commandment of God for us to be able to clothe ourselves in the resurrection of Christ. According to the mercy of the Lord, our spirit is already saved. In it, the resurrection of Christ has already reigned, if, of course, grace has reigned through righteousness in us. And this is possible only under one condition, if we have renewed thinking. And Christ has placed His throne in our soul, in the format of our renewed thinking. And, of course, if He's placed His throne in our body, in the format of meek lips. And we, saints, have the great privilege to dwell in these truths and scripture says that you are doing well enough to do this that you are turning to this prophetic word as to a lamp that's that shines in a dark place and until when do we turn to it scripture says that until the morning star ascends into our hearts meaning until we are able to accept that promise that really that lays at the door of our hope we must turn to the written word or to the prophetic word this is the word that has been spoken by the people of God who have been led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And before turning to this word, these revelations, Apostle Peter sells, 
says, we first must understand that no prophecy in Scripture cannot be understood on our own. Therefore, saints, we today turn to the preached word of our pastor and our apostle in order for us to be able to understand what the Lord wants to tell us. Because many of us have come out of Pentecostal churches. Someone may be from Baptist churches, but there was mostly a practice in the Pentecostal churches when so-called vessels, as they called themselves, they did not speak, but they tried to create some kind of difficult phrases that were difficult to understand. They were phrases that had nothing to do with other phrases. And with such zeal, the church had tried to comprehend what could this phrase mean, black coal with a red eye, until one brother said, friends, we have a security camera in this corner. Oh, see, the Holy Spirit has pointed out that it turns out that we have a camera. They say, well, what, what do you mean a camera? Scripture says that the prophetic word is needed for only one thing. In order for the, the Son of Truth to ascend in our hearts, meaning all that which we received in the format of a seed can transform into the format of the fruit of righteousness, and until the morning star ascends in our hearts, or until we are clothed in the promise that precedes the door of our hope that is given to us, in the format of the clothing into the resurrection of Christ. And with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David, in which acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David and the eight names of God had allowed David to love and call on the Lord who was worthy to be praised. And it gave God the basis to use these powers of these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David. And this is Psalm 18, verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And so the eight names of God, let us please all together proclaim them. And so, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words. May he make them eternal in our hearts and may he make us worthy of these names of his. And so we have already covered the name, Lord, you are my strength, Lord, you are my rock. And we have stopped to study the third name, Lord, you are my fortress. And so after we have weighed ourselves on the scales of justice, cleansed ourselves from all the impurities of the flesh and spirit with the capabilities contained in the portion of the name of God, rock, we will receive the right in Christ Jesus to the portion that is contained in His name, Fortress. So that we may draw near to God where the Lord is going to know us, and we will know Him. But despite the fact that this name is presented for us as the third name, 
in one of his sermons, pastor said that the name of God, Fortress, it is used in all the names because it is impossible to uncover or rather to be met with the name of God, you are my strength or second, you Lord are my rock, at the same time not collaborating with the name of God, Fortress. So it is necessary for us to draw near, it is necessary for us to come to the name of God, Strength. Therefore, here we see the fact that practically the name of God, Fortress, it leads us to each name and it uncovers the powers that were contained in the name of God, Strength, in the name of God, Rock. This name, Lord, you are my fortress to which I run to, it had always been pre- it has always been present upon all the rest of these names. One flows from the other. This is like Ezekiel in chapter 10 wrote that he had seen four creatures, four cherubims, and four uh, wheels by them. And what he said was, what's interesting is that the wheel was in a wheel, meaning one truth was in another truth. It came from out of this truth and gave birth to this very truth. This was wonderful in my eyes, he says. How can there be one wheel and another wheel? And then all of the uh, creatures had moved and when they had lifted up, lifted up, lifted up, and take a look here, the creatures, or rather the cherubims that had carried the glory of God, they all had always collaborated with the Word of God. And what's interesting is it seems as though the Word of God goes behind the cherubims, or rather it goes together with them when the cherubims move. And why did this happen? Because the spirit of the creatures, the cherubims, was in these wheels. This doesn't mean that the Word of God is trailing behind. This means that my thinking, my heart is found in the Word of God. This is a wheel in a wheel. And now when I move, it also moves. Why? Because the remote control is found in the Word of God. This is the remote control. And this remote control tells me, move, I move. And it goes with me. And take a look, behind me goes the Word of God. But it doesn't go behind us. The Word of God is the remote control for my thinking and for my heart. And it tells me where to go. So, the spirit of the creatures was found in these truths, in these wheels, or rather, the truth that was found in the truth. And so, the name of God, Fortress, that is used in this prayer song as the inherited portion of the Son of God, in whom and through whom a person can run to God, to know God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven, containing the program and the time for the fulfillment of the promises of God. In Hebrew, the name of God, Fortress, is defined by Scripture as the abode of God, the dwelling of God, the sanctuary of God, the inaccessible light in which God abides, the place where man knows God, the opportunity to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven, the atmosphere of God's success and God's joy, and also the hope and trust in God. Basically, the fortress of God is the place where God abides, in the limits of which we can acknowledge God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven. And this place is found in three unique dimensions. Not in three unique places, it's but this one it is one place and this one place has three dimensions and all of these three dimensions dwell in one place so for example right now we are found here here we have three dimensions present here in this very uh, church congregation of saints scripture says how important it is for not us not to leave our assembly or our church because when we dwell in church this is the opportunity to dwell simultaneously in three dimensions in three unique dimensions this is the height of the heavens 
in the sanctuary that is known as the body or the church of Christ in the face of God's chosen remnant and in the heart of a person who is humble and contrite and who trembles before the preached word of God from the person whom God has clothed in the powers of his fatherhood and in the lips of the helpers of this person. We here we are found in these three unique dimensions and today uh, they are present here in this place. And so the verb draw near to God or fortress contains the abilities that give a person the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the promise that relates to the door of our hope with the fruit of which God will receive the basis. The door of our hope has a certain seed. It absolutely has a seed. We can't come to the promise if we don't receive the seed of the Word of God, so that in the fruit of which God will receive the basis to enter into battle over our body in order to destroy the power of death in our body and with a noise to forever cast the old man out of our body whose weapon is the power of death. And all of this the Lord is going to do through our fruit, through the fruit that we have grown, the fruit of righteousness. But it is impossible to grow it or Methuselah, who banishes death, as we know, can't be grown until a person is fertilized with the seed of the promise. And how is he going to be fertilized if he doesn't run or draw near to God? And right now we are studying how we can draw near to God, run to God, so we can receive this promise, so that we can grow this promise, so that this promise inside of me, in the fruit of righteousness, can cast out death from out of my body, and in doing so, adopt my body and clothe it into the resurrection of Christ, so that this power of death that lives in our body can be cast out. And the power of death begins from our soul, our unrenewed thinking that has not gone through death. This is the government of Satan. Also, our old man that is found in our body. This is found in the soul, and the old man is found in the body. And behind our old man and the this is the government, this is the power. Behind these stand the organized powers of darkness. Hell, death, and devil. It stands over what? Over our soul in the format of our unrenewed thinking and over the old man that lives in our body and uses our body in order to do that which it wants. So the power of death is the government of death. And because it's a government, this means it has a law. It has the law of sin and death. And when the Lord gives us His holy law, and this holy law, discovers the power of death. Then, the law of death comes to power and a person then in this manner dies. But we must be rid of this power of death and for this it is necessary for us to collaborate with the name of God, Fortress. In Hebrew, the phrase draw near to God means to approach the altar, to proceed to the knowledge of God, to enter the sanctuary of God, draw near to God, to resort to the help of God, to find ourselves in the fortress of God, to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and to cultivate fruit to offer God. And so each time God, through the Holy Spirit, allows a person to run or draw near to Him, then as a result of this closeness, we will always have a coinciding fruit in the sphere in which we run to God. But also, like in the previous names of God, we should note 
that the presence of the fortress of God in one of the spheres of our life cannot be an automatic guarantee for its present in other spheres. So the Lord is present in our spirit. We fill our soul with this atmosphere when we renew our thinking, and when we declare or proclaim with our meek lips through our renewed mind and through our spirit that has been born of God that is completely made dependent on the Holy Spirit. How do we define this? How do we know this? It depends on our relationship toward the preached word, and this defines our relationship to the Holy Spirit. Then all of this all brings all spheres of our essence, all spheres of our body, it brings to the resurrection of Christ. Because according to statements of Scripture, for the presence of the fortress of God, each individual sphere of our life must be brought to a state in which the powers of God could exalt in this sphere and produce fruit of a fortress in the subject of our salvation. Thus, it is us who, in each individual sphere of our being, are responsible for creating a kind of atmosphere that could give God the basis to be our fortress. And so this atmosphere that is called to give God the basis to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart that is able to accept the seed of the Word of God and produce fruit that coincides to the seed that was accepted. So the atmosphere is the good soil of our heart. It is a heart that is cleansed of dead works. And this is a very long process. This is a long process when, take a look, Take a look at how many years it took, how many years it took for our church to come and arrive to this promise. If someone has begun here from the beginning with us from our church, it's taken decades. What have we all done during this time? We were cleansing ourselves from dead works. What a great preparation this took to give us the promise at the door of our hope. It took decades that for the children of God, for believers who have been believers from birth, from their childhood, it took them decades, taking them decades to be rid of dead works and prepare the soil to accept the seed in the face of Methuselah. It took decades, only in our church. I'm not talking about perhaps there's been uh, many more decades in other churches from the, those churches where we, where we uh, left the country from. There's also been decades that took place there. And for this purpose, as when we were studying in the previous names of God that are called to become the portion of our salvation, we will need to examine the following questions, four of them. First, what characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God Fortress? Second, what purpose is our inherited portion in the name of God Fortress called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? Third, what price is necessary to pay in order to give God the opportunity to be our fortress, and fourth, by which results should we define that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our vocation or our calling? In a certain format, we have already looked at the essence of the first question, and now we will turn to the second question. And here is how the second question sounds. What purpose is our inherited lot or portion in the name of God fortress called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? So what is the purpose? What is the purpose of that name? What purpose God pursues when He collaborates with His name, God, Fortress, with us? And so let's look at the first purpose of the name of God, Fortress. It is intended, so here's the purpose of it. It is called or intended to give a person the right to run to God. 
So this is the first purpose. Why? Why we need the name of God, Lord, you are my fortress. It gives us the right to draw near to the Holy Yahweh. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, and also verse 16. Sixteenth is the sorrowful verse, but third through fifth is good. Let's read. Isaiah was sixteen years old when he became king. He saw God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made, or rather God hastened to him. How wonderful, right? Well, now let's look at the sorrowful verse. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. And when he entered behind this king, had entered also the priests Zechariah and other prophets. They were wonderful priests. And they said, King Isaiah, well, it is not for you to burn incense. This is the work of the priests, the work of the sons of Aaron. The Levites, this is their work to serve in the temple. And scripture says that he then grew angry. He then began to yell out at them, on what basis do you have to speak this to me? And in this time, in this moment, he had uh, the incensory in, incense in his hand. And it talks about how the leprosy had covered his forehead and the priest needed to leave the temple. And he also had ran out of this temple when he saw that he became leprous. And he was excommunicated from the temple of God, and he died being a leprous man. What a great beginning he had, and what a frightening end. Because he ran to God. What happened? That he had lost God as his fortress, his pride. The ability of a person to run to God and the conditions of God that are presented in a person receiving the fear of the Lord gives God the basis to hasten in the fulfillment of man's calling that is referring to his reign over his body. The verb hasten, signifying God hastening to a person who runs near or who runs to him means, or rather to hasten means to make a person strong. This is that which God does on his end when we correctly run to him. Scripture says that God is going to hasten to us. Let's look at these verbs because devil tries to use these verbs then against God himself. Let's let's take a look at what a God gave to a person and then devil use these things to try to use them against God. To hasten means to make a person strong, to clothe a person in the spirit of God, to make a person useful to God, landscaping the path of man in achieving his calling and to give a person success in the fulfillment of his mission. According to this meaning, the portion of the fortress of God is called to clothe a person with the power of the Spirit of God for his coming to power over his calling which refers to his body that is under the authority of decay over which the old man stands. And through this, a person as to a king needs to first govern over his lips. And as a king, he had to always dwell in the fear of the Lord. In order to keep this atmosphere, Lord, you are my fortress. Uzziah didn't keep hold on to this. The king must always remember that. We need to reign over our lips 
and to always dwell in the fear of the Lord, which will never allow pride to come into our life. Why? Because when the Lord hastens to us, and when He clothes us with His power, with His power, with His anointing, with His gifts, it is necessary for us to place ourselves in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, because all of that which God has done, devil then uses against us and against God Himself. Therefore, it is necessary for King Isaiah, and he couldn't reign over his lips. He began to he began to lose the fear of the Lord. The ability to run to God as to our fortress in this case is completely dependent on our readiness to be a disciple of a priest so that we could be taught the fear of the Lord. God hastened to King Isaiah only when he possessed the status of a disciple which was expressed in the fact that he recognized the delegated authority of God over himself in the face of Zechariah the priest who taught him the fear of the Lord. This is a very important atmosphere. The fear of the Lord is necessary in order to keep our relationship to the Lord, to have an opportunity to run to Him and to receive power and anointing. From which it follows that being taught the fear of the Lord without recognizing the delegated authority of God over us is impossible. The pride that can arise in our hearts from success in the fulfillment of our calling will immediately put us outside the fear of the Lord and make us criminals before God. Drawing near to God without the fear of the Lord, which is the atmosphere that yields the law and order of the fortress of God, becomes deadly dangerous. That's why we can draw near to God, our fortress, only on His conditions. These conditions are being a disciple of the person who represents the fatherhood of God for us, who could teach us the fear of the Lord and our calling that we must fulfill in the fear of the Lord. The seductive powers of darkness always try to distort the true purpose God has set for man in the subject of his calling. But if, nevertheless, a person manages to see this correct goal, then the seductive powers of darkness will work for a person in achieving his calling using forbidden means in the subject of the gift of the Holy Spirit which God granted him, as had happened with King Isaiah. So, what a great explanation. So, let's we're talking about two things that devil uses against us. Two cards that he plays or he uses in play against saints. First, it is necessary for him, for a person, to not know his true calling. He says, your calling is to save other people. Whoa, that's great. That's wonderful to save people. He, the devil says, go and preach. Why are you wiping your pants against the seed of the seed in the church? And then he is headed to perdition a person says well no how do i save the world because there's a conflict scripture says that i can gain the whole world but lose but not lose my soul a person then turns to that preacher who told him to go evangelize he says why do you ask such questions and he doesn't give an answer well if it's written that it's possible to gain the whole world but myself end up in hell the main calling that we have is for us to be able to spread that salvation that is found in our spirit, so for us to spread it to our soul and through our renewed thinking and our meek lips 
for us to adopt our body. The adoption of our body precedes the sal- is preceded by the salvation of our soul, and the salvation of our soul is preceded by the salvation of our spirit. This, there is this tie that is involved. And when a person does not know this, he is headed to perdition. But all of a sudden, a person finds this out, and he says, Lord, I thank you that you have shown me my true calling. I can't save other people if I don't save myself. I simply need to become a light and a salt on this earth. This means to clothe my spirit, soul, and body into the resurrection of Christ. This is the best kind of evangelism. And devil says, oh, he's understood. Okay, he's understood. All right. Now you are going to run to God and the Lord is going to give you the power of anointing. His might. And I am going to use this against you and against your relationship with God. And so if we want to resort to God, our fortress, in order to fulfill our calling, we should resort to Him with the fruit of holiness that expresses itself in the fear of the Lord and not try to show off, never show off before God with the success made by the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. We should never try to show off before saints, before God, with those things that the gifts of the Holy Spirit produces. And this is that which many preachers do these days. They try to show themselves off with these kind of supernatural manifestations. That's why they are led to then um, cast out demons to evangelize, because this is a great platform for them to show themselves off. It is such misconduct that is incriminated to all the kings and priests of God as a crime before God because it is precisely the inherited inheritance contained in the name of God fortress that contains the seed of holiness expressed in the fear of the Lord for bringing God the fruit of holiness which gives us the right to resort or run to God. We have a right to this calling. So what is the first purpose of the name of God fortress? And we answer, the first purpose is the Lord gives me the right to run, to draw near to Him. And to draw near to Him means to learn from the person whom God has placed before me, to learn the fear of the Lord. Someone must be, someone must teach me the fear of the Lord, and the most important is that I must continually dwell in this fear of the Lord. Why? Because when we are going to move further, there are going to be strong gifts of the Holy Spirit that then appear. There will be strength, might, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And more than ever, we are interested in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. Especially when devil understand that we have understood our true calling, we have seen our goal. He understands that we have understood that the time that we are in is at the door of our hope. This is the best kind of time, more than ever, to place ourselves in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. All right. The second purpose of the name of God, fortress is called to give a person the right to approach the altar. So now we are drawing near to the altar. In the first purpose, we draw, we get the right to draw near to God, and now we have the right to approach the altar. And this is the second purpose of the name of God, fortress. Exodus chapter 28, verses 40 through 43. For Aaron's sons you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them, for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, and that they may minister to me as priests. 
and you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, that they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever to him and his descendants after him. So one more warning here, so that we do not perish. Isaiah died. Why? Because he had neglected the commandments of the Lord. Here, when we draw near to the altar of the Lord, we must understand that here also the priest might die if he is going to incorrectly draw near to the altar of the Lord. So he had to correctly clothe himself in justification so that he can draw near to the altar, to the sanctified altar. What is a sanctified altar? Let's try to look at all of these components inside of us. A sanctified altar represents our motives. What kinds of motives? Motives that are purified from the desires of the flesh and thoughts, giving us the ability to pursue the interests of the will of God in achieving His goal, which is called to be our calling in the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. So, a sanctified altar are our motives that pursue God's will and they pursue God's goal. And so, the sanctified altar is the dining table of God where He satisfied His hunger and His thirst in the subject of the sacrifice of praise that is offered on this altar. To draw near to the altar means to meet the requirements of the altar, because it is not the sacrifice that sanctifies the altar, but the altar in the subject of our motives that sanctifies the sacrifice of our praise. Meaning, it's not just beautifully um, beautifully put phrases that praise God, but if these beautiful phrases that we speak before God are defiled because of our altar, our motives, whenever we pursue incorrect motives, then these words that we speak are then defiled. It is necessary for us to have a sanctified altar as had happened in Exodus chapter 29, verse 37. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. If the altar does not meet the requirements of God, then however pure and correct the sacrifice is, or our prayer is, or our praise to God, or service to God, however correct it is in our opinion, it will be defiled by an altar that does not meet the requirements of God. Under the cleansing of the altar, we are referring to the cleansing of our conscience from dead works through accepting justification according to the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It is these components of justification that are presented in the specific garments of the priest which allowed him to draw near to the altar. So, that which he was clothed in, the priest was clothed in, these were the garments of justification that the priest had worn, which allowed him to draw near to the altar in order to prepare a table before the Lord. That's why in our portion that is contained in the name of God Fortress, we are called to obtain everything that is necessary for the garments of our justification, which gives us the right to draw near to the altar of the Lord. And here we had read, what kind of garments did they have? It says they had uh, tunics, they had sashes, they had um, head coverings, and they also had uh, linen trousers underneath 
These were the garments of the priests so that they can draw near and approach the altar. And these garments had to talk about our justification. They talk about how the motives of our heart is pure, are pure. And take a look, we must have linen trousers. This is that which touches our body. This is that which Christ had done. The, uh, uh, the tunic, linen, it is very soft, meaning Christ, through His grace, He hugs our body in these linen trousers. But this is not enough. Yes, we have these uh, linen trousers, but it's necessary for us to also put on more of a, a firm, or rather a strong tunic. This is a tunic, this is the upper tunic that we are clothed in. We have our lower linen trousers that are presented in justification, and our tunic that are the fruit of righteousness. And here we also have sashes of truth and head coverings. Head coverings is the acceptance of the delegated authority in the Church of God. All of these things that we have shown here by our pastor, Brother Arkadi, they tell us that our conscience is cleansed of dead works. How do we check? How do we verify? Do I have dead works in, I, in our conscience? This is based on the presence of the uh, lower linen trousers that we are wearing, the presence of justification. Then we look at the tunic. Then we look at the presence of righteousness. Scripture says, let, the, let him who is righteous perform righteousness. This is the upper tunic that was worn. If we have a sash, sash have we do we have renewed thinking and do we have a head covering which is the glory and beauty before the face of the lord meaning do we acknowledge the authority of the zechariah this priest that is going to teach us the fear of the lord scripture says that until the young man had run to him and was taught the fear of the lord the lord hastened to him he blessed him he gave him gifts of the holy spirit power wisdom might he had clothed him in all of this but then what happened? We see how all of this was used against God. Why? Because a person lost the fear of the Lord, and he, what did he lose? He lost, despite the fact that he knew the truth, but he had lost these head coverings that were on his head. He began to uh, butt heads with the priest, speak with them in anger, and then if... Something is lost out of these four components. We receive dead works. Now let's remember, for us to not have dead works in our heart, it is necessary for us to have uh, lower tr linen trousers. Then we have to have a tunic over us. We must be sashed with the sash of truth. And we must have a head covering on our head as a priest had done for glory and beauty before the Lord. If at least one of these components loses its purpose in our life, then that's it. Dead works then are uh, entered into our life. Third, this was the second purpose that we had just covered. The third purpose of the name of God Fortress is called to give a person the opportunity to know the will of God with regard to his coming to power over his calling. For him to understand, first we run to God, then second, pastor showed us that then we must, before the Lord, come and place ourselves on the altar and demonstrate that we have pure motives, that we pursue the goal of God, that we pursue His will. This is my altar. And now the Lord is then able to uh, know us. Take a look at the path that it takes to come to this kind of state. To know the will of God 
and how one must come to power over his calling is possible only thanks to the name of God that is expressed in the dignity of his fortress. Considering that one of the meanings of the phrase draw near to God our fortress means draw near, know God, stand before God, come into the presence of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For us to know, we must first not be conformed to this world, and second, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is impossible to be transformed by the renewing of our mind if we do not refuse to be conformed to this world. First, I do not conform to this world. Second, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind, and this gives me the right to know God in His will that is good, acceptable, and perfect. Transformation, what is this? Transformation is a transformation from one image to another or a transition from one state to another. Whereas the word renewal speaks of a new time when the world will be renewed and restored and the kingdom of God will be established in it along with the law of the spirit of life, which points to the fact that our spirit born of God through offering the fruit of righteousness from the acceptance of the seed of the kingdom of heaven is renewed and the kingdom of Christ will be established in it. And despite the fact that we are in a mortal body, we, through our renewed spirit, can transform our soul into the character of our renewed spirit, while representing the members of our body as an instrument of righteousness. A very rich phrase here that we have. Here we have our spirit, our soul, and our body present. When we give our body up to being instruments of righteousness. Let's once again read this. Of a renewed mind that transforms, renewed spirit that transforms our soul. And this then allows us, when our soul is going to be resembling our spirit, and our spirit is resembling Christ, only then we are going to be able to represent our bodies as instruments of righteousness. When are we going to be able to present our bodies as instruments of righteousness? When our soul is going to resemble our spirit, and when our spirit is going to resemble the Holy Yahweh. Let's once again read this. Despite the fact that we are in a mortal body, we, through our renewed spirit, can transform our soul into the character of our renewed spirit while representing the members of our body as an instrument of righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. The knowledge of the will of God in the name of God fortress gives us the strength to obey truth so that we do not conform to this world, but rather be transformed in the renewal of the spirit of our mind. What does it mean to be conformed to this world? The phrase conformed to this world means to become suitable or corresponding to the evil age. So that which is happening in this age, people modulate their thinking, their sermons, their services depending on that which is happening in this world. So if there 
is a war between brothers, then on one side and on the other side, priests, preachers find a reason, justification for this killing between brothers. What is this? How is this possible? This is incorrect. We must not in any way conform ourselves to this world. Yes, people are going to rise up against nation, brother will rise against brother, but priests or preachers must not use this in order to legalize the killing of the brother, calling this a holy war. You can, you can kill these because they are this nation or this country. No, we cannot kill, especially our brothers, our dear brothers. I, for example, although I was never in Russia or Ukraine, I don't see a difference. When I see, I tell an, another American, he says, you know, when I have talked with you with, with Slavic people, it turns out that there's a large difference between Ukrainians and Russians. I say, well, okay, we're w working at a construction site and there was a group of Slavic people and I say, I ask him, are they all Russian or are they all Ukrainian? He says, they're all resembling alike. I said, you see? We all uh, resemble one another. We are brothers. We can't kill people. We can't kill one another. Neither in word, nor in our heart, nor in our thoughts. We must not even in our thoughts have murder. Uh, sometimes people think, I can't kill a person, but a person might inside have some kind of a bad relationship toward the other person because he's from a different nationality. Even this is called, is like murder in our hearts, and this must be uprooted from it, from our hearts, so that we can present ourselves as instruments of righteousness. And so the phrase, not be conformed to this world, means through the power Conform to this world means to become suitable or corresponding to the evil age. When the preachers uh, say this is a holy war and we need to preach about this in the temples, then what is this? This is the evil age, the definition of the evil age. But to not be conformed to this world means through the power of God embodied in the name of God fortress means on the one hand to restrain the aggression of the evil age against ourselves, and on the other hand, to exert pressure on it. So we must also, again, restrain the aggression of the evil age, but also exert pressure on it. Never allow devil to place hatred toward my brother in my heart. Never allow for this to happen. And it is precisely this attitude towards the evil age that will give us the opportunity to know the will of God through the words that are implanted in us, which can save our souls that through the saved soul we can build up the power of life in our body because first of all it is precisely in the salvation of our soul that the first part of our calling is comprised so our calling is to save or to grow the salvation to the fruit of righteousness and the first part of salvation is to save our soul James chapter 1 verse 21 Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. After we have accepted salvation in our heart, after we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, after we have had water baptism, now for preachers it is necessary to provide instruction. Now it is necessary to make the next step. This is to save our soul. And for this it is necessary to lay aside all wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word. The word lay aside translated from the Greek language means remove from office, leave, reject, overthrow. As pastor had shown us, we must place the old man in a prison. We must place him in a prison. How do we define, is the old man in a prison in me or not? Let's turn to James again, chapter 1, verse 21. Scripture says, if we have the opportunity to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So, filthiness and wickedness. If they are set aside and they are not manifested through us, this means that the old man is sitting in darkness in the prison. But if we have this filthiness and wickedness and evil, this means that he is still not found yet in a prison. These two things, I have laid aside all filthiness and of course all the overflow of wickedness. Through this, Lord, I can define that the old man in my essence is found in a prison and is waiting for the moment when he, with a noise, is going to be cast out from my body. All filthiness and overflow, even the small, small amount of wickedness, even if there's a little left, it is still there. Therefore, we need to still lay it aside. Whereas to accept the implanted word in meekness means to accept the implanted word through the bridling of our lips. To summarize this purpose of the fortress of God and the question about our knowledge of the will of God, which affects our coming to power over our calling, it follows that the name of God, fortress, is called to give us the strength to not waver in our trust in God so that we can firmly stand in faith for the salvation of our soul. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 10, 39. First one talks about the salvation of our soul, and then the other place of scripture, James 1, 21, and here Hebrews 10, 39, we talk about uh, who, who believe to the saving of the soul. It talks about the saving, salvation of the soul. Let us look to the fourth purpose of the name of God, Fortress. The fourth purpose of the name of God, Fortress, is called to give a person the ability in all times to pour out his heart before God. Psalm 62, 8. Hope in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a fortress for us. Pour out before him your heart, because the Lord is a fortress for us. If I run to God, then I will have the desire to pour out my heart before him. According to this meaning, trust in God, our fortress, gives us the ability to pour out our heart before God. To pour out our heart before God means to allow its components, the components of our heart, to pour out. So, not our emotions, but the components of our heart. We are going to talk about this fragrance. It is necessary for it to pour out from our heart. And this kind of outpouring is referring to the contrition of our heart. Only the heart that is broken for God, or that is contrite before God, can pour out its contents before Him. Isaiah 66, verse 2. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. The heart is referring to the reborn spirit of a person, presented in Scripture as the golden censer for a sweet incense before God, whereas the contents of the golden censer is trust, or rather hope in God, more correctly hope in God. 
When the contents of this censer in the subject of trust in God or hope in God was brought into the presence of God and was poured out before God, on one hand, it protected a person from eternal death, and on the other hand, it brought the favor of God upon man. This is, in fact, that which the priests had done. They entered with the censer that was filled with incense, and in doing so, they protected themselves from death and they had drawn upon the favor of God before his face. And for God, this was very, this is a very important state, this kind of fragrance, this kind of a contrite spirit, because a censor referred to the contrite spirit. And the censor means that a person is incapable of demonstrating his the fragrance without, without the censor. And so let's look at a few different examples to take a look at how it is necessary for us to pour out our heart before God. Luke chapter 7 verses 36 to 48. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, who would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. And so he says, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. There's not a big difference. Uh, the correct Pharisee with a sinner. She, you, you owed fifty. She needed. She owed five hundred. How do you differ from her? There's not a big difference. He wanted to show the Pharisee how he looked at him. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? And here Pastor stopped and said, Pay attention. He, turning to the woman, through the woman he began to speak to Simon, to the Pharisee. This is like uh, the movement of the horse in chess. Turning to the woman, he began to speak to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. In this case, repentance. Repentance in the eyes of God was viewed as the contrition of the heart, out of which a sweet aroma poured out and filled the heavens with a sweet fragrance. This is how the heavens accept the repentance of a contrite heart, Repentance in which a person remains unbroken cannot be called repentance. Again, repentance in which a person remains unbroken cannot be called 
repentance. Repentance is the contrition of our heart. It is specifically repentance. Repentance is that moment out of which the aroma, our aroma, can be poured out before the Lord. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Because again, the righteous will fall seven times and get up, but the sinner will fall once into perdition and will not get up. Again, in heaven, there's going to be more joy over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Because this righteous who repents, he has the right to pour out his heart before God. Repentance is the unique action in which we are able to outpour our fragrance or our incense before the Lord. What if we pour out, can do we, is there another option? Yes, correction. When a person is corrected, and when a person correctly reacts to this correction, he, in this correction, if he correctly accepts it, he begins to pour out the fragrance of his heart. Therefore, there are two. First, I repent before the Lord, this is the fragrant oil, or I don't want to repent. And then the anointed man of the Lord corrects me, and I correctly react to this. I thank him. I didn't see that I was did this incorrectly. I repent. And this also is wonderful. And this also is the spreading of the fragrance of the aroma when the Lord allows us to pour out, pour out our heart before him. Furthermore, he continues to say, uh, Jesus says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, coin does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, we are talking about a repenting sinner, and here we are looking at those people, no, they're not those people from the world they have nothing to pour out from their hearts they have nothing in their hearts we're not talking about the people of this world we are talking about how when a righteous repents this is how beautiful the pic picture is presented or when we are corrected and we correctly react to this this is when we are able to pour out our fragrance these are two methods and we can never neglect either i, re I myself repent or i wait for myself to be corrected and not every person uh, we must be very careful with our judgment. And the helpers of our pastors can do this only to that which they in that which they are allowed, but as brothers. But in the church, the Lord has placed a father. A father is not just well, someone what is a leader in the church, someone said. There is no leaders, he says, in the church or those that are the head. The there are leaders in different mobs, but not in the not in the church. 
Yes, the church has a father who is at the head, who is able to correct. Because I don't I have the heart of a father, I don't know how to correctly react. And we might wound a person. We, it is necessary to not wound a person, but to touch his heart, to con provide contrition for the heart, and for us not to scar any other component. This is such a special operation that is done by the Holy Spirit through the anointed man of the Lord in the church. He says, contrite his heart, break his heart under one condition, that his head, the hair on his head and his sovereign rights are not violated, so that in the air there is no shaking, but so that inside of a person his heart could be completely broken. Who is capable of such things? The anointed man of the Lord. Summarizing the purpose of the fortress of God in the question of the outpouring of our heart before God at all times, that God could reveal to us the path to power over our calling, it follows that the fortress of God is called to serve as the hope of our calling for us, transformed into a weapon for the contrition of our spirit. Thanks to this contrition, our spirit at all times could pour out its contents before God. What a wonderful purpose! And the fifth purpose of the name of God fortress is called to give a person the right to declare all the works of God. Psalm 73, verse 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. So, drawing near to God, I draw near so that I may declare all His works. Only those people for whom God is a fortress can draw near to God. And one of the purposes of the fortress of God is called to give a person the right to declare the words or the works of the Lord. And this means to have the right and dignity of a king and priest of God because only they are given this high status and these powers. Let's look at who is able to do this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. This is the category of people, so not every person is able to declare the works. Therefore, when someone says, it is good for me to draw near to God so that I may declare his works, someone says, well, what do you mean, me? When I say, you know, me, me, it is good for me to, it is, under this me, is then their parentheses. Please fill what is in, supposed to be inside of these parentheses. It's not just a last name, first name. For me, it means I am a holy, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, those that are taken into his portion. It are, they are those that can sing praise to him who has called us out of, into his marvelous light. From these words, it follows that God can be a fortress only for his kings and his priests. In this regard, David states that it is good to approach God as his fortress, so that thanks to the possibilities contained in the fortress of God, he can fulfill his true purpose, which is to declare all of the works of God. To declare all the works of God is to declare the perfection of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, offering God fruit of holiness with all of the components that flow from it. Declaring all the works of God in the name of God fortress was possible for David because he laid all of his trust in God.
If David, upon the fulfillment of his calling to declare all the works of God, would have laid all of his trust in the flesh, then the fortress of God would serve not as good for him, but evil. Here is how this happened with other priests who did not lay their trust in God, who laid their trust in their own flesh. Numbers chapter 3, verse 4, Nadab and Abihu, who were priests, they had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. And this is an interesting phrase, they had no children. Two priests died, they had no children. Children are a fruit of the womb, which refers to the fruit of holiness, which in this case is expressed in trust in God. The Nadab and Abihu, they did not have children, meaning they did not have the fear of the Lord, the fruit of holiness. They did not have trust in God because we trust that which we love, that which we fear, that which we fear to wound, that which is precious to us. These two priests did not have children. They did not have the fear of the Lord. They did not have this trust. It is specifically because they did not have because Nadab and Abihu did not have children who could be the fruit of their holiness, they did not have the fear of the Lord, which could be expressed in trusting in God and not on their flesh. To lay our trust in the flesh in order to declare the works of God means to bring a false fire before God, which He did not command that we bring when we run to Him as our fortress. Summarizing the purpose of the fortress of God in the question of the outpouring of our heart before God at all times, that God could reveal to us the path to power over our calling, it follows that the fortress of God is called to give us strength to not waver in our trust in God so that we could offer God fruit of holiness, which we could in our call to declare all of His works. To declare all the works of God we can do through the fruit of holiness in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. And they came with profane fire. What is profane fire? They did this outside of the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. And if there is no atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, this means that there is no fruit of holiness. This means that all that they did for God, they had used their flesh, or rather, their their own gifts. And this was very dangerous. We must not use our gifts in our relationship with God, but the fruit of our spirit, or the fruit of holiness that expresses itself in the fear of the Lord. And this is important for us to know, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit we don't use in relationship with God. We use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to serve one another, to serve not to offer our services, I will give this to you, and you then owe me, meaning I serve you, and then I expect nothing in return, because I'm a servant. Servants, slaves, they don't have a day of, of uh, payment. It is us that we go to work and we ask, um, when do we get paid? Every Friday, every two weeks, or ever how long? But what? We don't get paid because we don't offer services in the church, we offer our service. We give up ourselves to be servants of righteousness so that we can receive satisfaction to being able to serve saints. Six, the purpose of the name of God fortress is called to give a person the ability to be delivered from his enemies. Psalms 59, 9. I will wait for you, O you his strength, for God is my defense. When our enemy, with predominantly superior forces, opposes us, it is then that the name of God and the dignity of his fortress is called to defend us from our enemies. 
from which it follows that it is the fortress of God that reveals him as our defender and our intercessor in the face of Jesus Christ. So what or who is a defender in the face of Jesus Christ? First, a defender is the one who acts as the defender of the accused in court before those that are in power. This is a defender. A defender is also one who is the mediator between two sides of an argument. A defender is one who is our guarantor before God. And defender is the one who wages war against our enemies. For example, in the synodal translation of the word defender, we get words such as intercessor, rock, stronghold, and protector. So, a defender is the intercessor, rock, stronghold, and protector. In the Bible, the defender of the people of Israel, as well as all the godly people on earth, as well as the innocently offended and oppressed, refers directly to the Lord God Himself. However, for the name of God Fortress to defend us from our enemies, we need to ask God for this in prayer. Because it is this prayer of petition that meets all the requirements of God that enables Him to intercede for us. And these requirements are comprised of the fact that we can run to God only on His conditions that were established by Him and cannot be distorted throughout time. Psalm 143 verse 9 Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. According to Scripture, the conditions under which the kings and priests of God can resort to God are spilled throughout the Scripture. And here is one of them where the main components are briefly and concisely collected. How do we draw near to God? So we can be protected by the Lord and be a defender for us, to be an intercessor for us. Let's read about it in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And here are the four conditions of the fulfillment of which gives us the right to inherit the portion contained in the name of God fortress out of what we read. First, we must be humbled. Second, we must pray. Third, we must seek the face of God. And fourth, we must turn from wicked ways. When we have humility, prayer, the desire to seek the face of God and the desire to turn from wicked ways, in this instance, the Lord is able to come to us on our side as our defender. To summarize the purpose of the fortress of God in the question of our deliverance from our enemies, so that the path to power over our calling could be opened, it follows that in the fortress of God we will be delivered from enemies on the conditions outlined by God. We are going to be delivered from our enemies on what conditions? Lord, you will deliver me from my enemies when I am humbled, when I will pray, when I will seek your face, and when I will turn from all of my wicked ways. Then the Lord says, then I will turn to you and I will protect you from your enemies. And so the seventh purpose of the name of God, Fortress, is called to give a person the ability to be rid of the sinful inheritance of his fathers. So from the vain life, we run to God so that we can be delivered from the vain life of our fathers. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my fortress in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness and unprofitable 
things. What are lies, which we have inherited from our fathers? Lies is a legitimate inheritance that belongs to us through our fathers. This disastrous inheritance determines our earthly destiny and our eternal fate. This is an inevitable fate that we legally inherited in the seed from which we were born. We can be rid of this inevitable fate in the name of God, Fortress, in which God reveals Himself as our Redeemer. Redeemer is He who purchases that which belonged to Him, but due to certain circumstances was sold to a different Master. Take a look. It turns out how look up how beautifully this is written. It turns out who is our redeemer and the most important. Who are those whom the Lord purchases? Our redeemer is he who purchases that which had belonged to him, but due to certain circumstances, was sold to a different master or a different owner. So we are the belonging of God but due to certain circumstances we are found in the hands of a different owner we are found in the hands of death and the Lord says I want to purchase you back I want to purchase your spirit and then through your spirit to save your soul and through your soul and through your spirit to adopt your body I want to purchase you back because we are his belonging we are ours to the we are the Lord's Matthew 1, 20-21, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife. For that which is conceived is in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He, Jesus, will save his people. He doesn't say just people or the world. He says, in this world, he will save his people from their sins. In another place of scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So pay attention here. Those that were his belonging. Redeemed is to be legally redeemed, to be delivered from an inherited fate, taken into the ownership of God, called by God into his inheritance, placed by God in his destiny, sanctified by God, defended by God, and placed in God. This is someone who is redeemed. And redemption itself is a choice that a person can choose only on the strict conditions of God, which include the joint work of God and man in which God clearly determined both his role and that role of man. God's role is that he gave his son for us and made his spilled blood the price of our redemption or our ransom from the evil fate which we inherited from the vain life of our fathers. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18-21 through 21, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Man's role is that he must sprinkle himself with the redeemed blood of the Lamb. He himself must sprinkle himself with the redeemed blood of the Lamb in the subject of the lentils and doorposts of the door, through confession with his lips, the faith of his heart, 
containing his redemption. Exodus chapter 12, verses 13 through 14, it is written, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. So again, we present to God this house, and the blood is going to be a sign on our houses where we are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Summarizing the purpose of the fortress of God with regard to the outpouring of our heart before God at all times, so that God could reveal to us the power over our calling, it follows that the fortress of God is called to deliver us from the sinful inheritance to the redemptive blood of the Son of God under the condition that we sprinkle the door of our house with blood. Again, the fortress of God is called to deliver us from the sinful inheritance of our fathers through the redemptive blood of the Son of God under the condition that we ourselves sprinkle the door of our house with this blood. Amen. Saints, may you be blessed in your prayer and let us sprinkle with this blood on the house of our dwelling and thank God for the great privilege to be His inheritance. Amen. Let us please pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the right to be found in this place upon which we can magnify your word in the name of God, strength. The place upon which we are able to weigh ourselves on the scales of your justice, your truth, your commandments, so that we can be delivered from all defilement of the flesh and spirit. And we collaborate with you in the name of God, Fortress. And we run to you today, and we want to thank you that today we are able to be found in the place in which your fear of God dwells. And we, Lord, are found in the fear of the Lord, and this fear of the Lord has become the achievement of our heart. And we have placed that ark of God with his revelations into our heart, and the atmosphere of the fear of God has filled our heart. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to draw near to you, and you give us the right and the great power to come to you. And we draw near to you, and you today teach us the fear of the Lord. And each time we come to this place to not teach, to not control, to inspect, but to learn what the fear of the Lord is, you are going to hasten to us. And when you are going to bless your inheritance, when you bless each of us, with your might, with your power, with your gifts, with your anointing, with your healing. We ask you, Lord, allow us to keep ourselves in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord and continue to be taught the fear of the Lord so that, Lord, we are not de devoured before you. We thank you that you allow us to approach the altar. You see the motives of our heart that are cleansed of dead works. And we thank you that we are able to stand before you and to praise your holy name. We thank you for the justification that we have received as a gift according to the grace 
found in the redemption of Christ Jesus, justification of Christ Jesus. We thank you that today justification can turn into the status of the fruit of righteousness. We, Lord, are with, we thank you that our heads are covered before you. And this, Lord, is that glory and beauty that will allow us to continue to stand before your countenance when we run to you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to know your will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. And for this, Lord, we today make the decision to stop conforming to this evil age, to this world, but allow us, Lord, to be transformed, to transform our thinking. Allow us to not depend on those news, on those rumors of those things that are happening in this world. You use all of this, Lord, to prepare your church to meet with you that the church can learn to not be conformed to this evil age but to be transformed in the thinking of the spirit of our mind to be transformed in truth and righteousness we thank you lord that transforming our thinking i do not conform to this world and you will allow us to know your great will the will of god that is good acceptable and perfect we ask you lord that you allow us when we draw near to you to pour out our hearts before you and we believe, Lord, that when this heart is going to be poured out before your holy countenance, this is going to be a fragrance. Therefore, we have the great privilege, Lord, to repent before you, because the wicked fall once and they never repent, but the righteous, Lord, always repents. And for us, this is a great privilege because through our repentance, when we repent and when we cry over our sins, Lord, this is that time and opportunity when you are able to eat of our fruit, when you are able to be satisfied by the aroma of our heart, this hidden garden or closed garden. We ask you to place our hearts through contrition, through our ability to repent. And if we don't have this ability, we ask for you to use the powers of your Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And you have done this through the Word of God so that the Word of God in the lips of your messenger can contrite our heart. That out of it, your divine aroma can pour out. We thank you for this great privilege to pour out our hearts to you before your holy countenance. You have allowed us, Lord, running to you to declare your works because you, Lord, view us as a holy nation, those that have been taken into your portion, so that we can declare your perfection, the perfection of the one who has called us out into his marvelous light. You've allowed us to be delivered from our enemies, and we call out to you today and ask you to protect us from our enemies, from all illnesses, all burdens, all ignorance, fears, phobias, depression, Lord. Protect us from our enemies. And this, Lord, will occur when you will see that we are being humbled before you. When we confess our sins, when we pray to you, when we search for your countenance, Lord, and when we turn away from all of our evil works, when we do all of this, you turn to us and you protect us from our enemies. We thank you, Lord, that you are freeing us from that inheritance that we have received from our fathers. We thank you that you are our Redeemer, and we, Lord, are redeemed 
you call us your own you call us your church and we thank you and we magnify you for your sacrifice that you have come and died for your church you have come into this world in order to save your own from their sins we thank you Lord that you view us as your own and we ask you Lord and we accept today your redeeming blood and we today through the proclamation of our lips sprinkle this on the lentils and the doorposts of our door we thank you that you have freed us from the vain life passed on to us from our fathers therefore in the death of the Lord Jesus we have made a decision to die to our nation to the house of our father and to our corrupt lusts so that we can become orphans strangers and widows so that we Lord could receive the right to your redemption and to walk in a renewed life in a life of victory in the life of resurrection we thank you Lord for that word that we have heard we thank you that we are able to run to you by learning these truths we are able to run to the priest and be taught the fear of the Lord we thank you Lord for our pastor Apostle Brother Arkady we have known Lord that you answer your holy one from your holy heavens and you Lord save your anointed one you do this through the participation of your saints and today Lord we ask you we pray for our pastor from this holy place and we thank you we thank you that his soul is contained in the bonds of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and we ask Lord that his body be restored and that those truths all of those revelations that today are found sealed in a sealed format for you Lord to be able to present to them to us as unsealed through the preached word we Lord are waiting for this moment but today Lord we continue to dwell in that word that teaches us the fear of the Lord we thank you for that word that we had the opportunity to read look into today and to clothe in the powers of the might to clothe our spirit soul and body into. and we thank you and ask you to continue to show the might of your word and your Holy Spirit who uncovers the significance and the meaning of your word in our future services may the Saints be blessed that are found in this place and may your holy name be blessed we thank you our Almighty God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy to God our Savior who alone is wise through Christ Jesus our Lord be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>